He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere. A radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This, this is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and uh, welcome aboard on this uh, partly cloudy, uh, rather warm uh, Wednesday, hump day, middle of the week. Uh, the saga continues in the uh, Atlantic Ocean, about 900 miles off the coast of Newfoundland, as they continue to look for that um, that uh, sub that uh, has not surfaced uh, since it went into the, the Atlantic Ocean Sunday. And uh, they have uh, they've got some planes that drop these uh, eavesdropping or audio monitoring uh, buoys in the water, and they have picked up some banging noises. I haven't been able to trace them back down to that yet, but um, they're working on it. We'll keep you updated on that. Right now, we're going to go to the phones. We've got uh, former congressman from Ohio, Bob Nay, on the phone, and who I'm sure was uh, watching with great interest uh, this week as, as the president's son, uh, who was uh, accused of not paying over $3 million for the taxes over the last three years and and had uh, federal gun charges against him, uh, walks away uh, with uh, diversion on the gun charges and nothing on the tax charges. Uh, good afternoon, Bob. Hey, how are you doing, Earl? I'm good. I, I just I couldn't help think when I was watching this whole thing, and not just about you. You go back and look at the list of all the people over the years who were famous. I mean, a lot of them were good Democrats, uh, who were charged with uh, tax evasion uh, uh, and, uh, you know, all kinds of different things over the years, mostly tax evasion, and all of them did time. Well, Stephen Baldwin, he they said he owed 400000 but they allowed him, he paid it off in less than a year so that he avoided uh, any kind of probation. Jersey Shore's uh, Mike situation, Sorrento, uh, had to pay taxes on $9 million. He got sentenced to eight months in prison. You went uh, for 18 months in a federal prison for taking a golf trip to Ireland. I mean, I thought it was kind of... <laughs> yeah, I went to Scotland. I reported it. It was, quote, underreported, is what I got it for, uh, underreported golf trip. And they gave me 30 months. You know, also, I was in prison with Richard Hatch. Do you remember that yeah, name? I do. In fact, I just saw his name. as one of the people that did also was charged with tax evasion. And uh, I can remember at the time, uh, Richard Hatch had argued that uh, CBS had told him that they would pay the taxes. He got into a great big argument with them, and that they he, he said they were supposed to pay them. And it ended up, I think, did they give him three years? I'm looking, I forget. I'm looking right now. I'm passing these names like remember. Tony Braxton, Mark Anthony, Willie Nelson. Nicholas Cage, Martha Stewart, Leona Helmsley, uh, Ty Warner, uh, Pete Rose. I'll give you one really good one, and I put this in my news notes today, and this is on the gun charge, right? Mm -hmm. The second court filing is about a gun charge. In that case, the letter says the defendant has agreed to enter a pretrial diversion agreement with respect to the firearm, because that could have been 10 years. And handling uh, the gun charges, the diversion means Biden would not plead guilty to the crime. And and they say in the Washington Post, diversion is an option typically applied to nonviolent offenders 
with substance abuse problems. And the problem is he had a weapon when he was doing drugs, and, you know, that's illegal. Now, the reason I mention that, one day uh, the assistant warden came up to me in prison at Morgantown Federal and said, look, this guy sitting over here, and he had the clothes, you call them newbie clothes, or when you come in they give you these clothes so you get your regular clothes, and everybody knows you're new, and then they harass you that day. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, yeah, you wait, buddy, and then things like that. So um, he was sitting there, and look, it was in uh, breakfast time, and he was really looking distressed. And the uh, uh, guy, uh, number two in charge, said, hey, would you please go talk to that guy? And I said, okay. So I sat down. And uh, he was, I would say, about 52, regular, typical uh, guy, you know. And I said, how are you doing? He said, not good. And he was just, uh, you know, just so distraught. And I said, well, uh, what did you used to do? And he said, I, I managed an IGA. I was a manager. I've never been in trouble in my life. He said, I got sentenced to a year and a day for smoking one marijuana joint 10 years ago. And I thought, yeah, okay, sure, buddy. Yeah, everybody's innocent in here, too. <laughs> and and so I gave him advice how to get through this. He, he was a really scared type of guy, just a you know the most average type of guy you can imagine. So anyway, as I left, the assistant warden was outside, and I said, what's the story on that guy? And he goes, oh, they gave him a year and a day for smoking one marijuana joint 10 years ago. <laughs> and I said, how is that? Here, the guy had a gun. Had 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 a gun and didn't commit a crime with her or anything. At a, they got witnesses. They went after him. They got witnesses at a party that said ten years before, when he had filed for the gun, that he was seen smoking a joint at the, at a party, and so they threatened him. Ten years, we're going to put you away, and he did a plea deal for a year and a day. That's an actual true story. Wow. Yeah, for a year and a day for one joint. Now, I think Hunter did a little bit more than a joint. <laughs> he did everything he get his hands on. From the looks on the laptop, you know. Yeah, you mentioned Richard Hatch. After a jury found him guilty of tax evasion and failing filing false tax returns or failing to report over a million in earnings from 2000-2001 to the IRS, the survivor winner, Richard Hatch, was sentenced to 51 months in prison. Yes. I knew it was a long time. Yeah, but look at this other. Uh, Pete Rose uh, owed uh, was fined fifty thousand after failing to report more than three hundred fifty four thousand uh, income of sales from baseball memorabilia, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and he had to serve uh, thousand hours of community service. Right, uh, Ty Warner, uh, Beanie Babies creator, remember that? Uh, mm-hmm. Pled guilty to one count of tax evasion in October twenty thirteen. Uh, $24.4 million, um, he failed to report, and interest from income from Swiss bank accounts to the IRS, which allowed him to evade at least $5.6 million in tax. Here's my question about Hunter. If they know that he made $3 million, don't they? doesn't the IRS care where the $3 million came from? Because they want to make sure they get their money from those people, too, don't they? I would assume that. I mean, if yeah, they do. If you're a contract employee, don't you have to file a uh, 401k that says uh, that uh, that you received this money from this individual for this these services, and you have to say what you did for it? Yeah, you're either you're either an employee or you work as a as a contract employee. Right. You work basically on your own. You set up an LLC, and then you're paid 
and then you are responsible then, you know, obviously to pay, you know, the tax on it. So now the question is, too, if it came from an overseas source or, you know, a source within the United States, I guess. Um, so he he evaded, according to this, evaded those taxes. And so I, I don't know, it may have came from a, a board he was on, you know, who knows. But the, the case of Richard Hatch, for example, Everybody knew he won a million dollars. It wasn't right. like he secretly had a million. Everybody knew he was the first survivor winner. And Hatch then uh, was approached by the IRS to say, where's, where's the money? So he never denied that he made the money. He was told CBS was going to pay, to pay a portion, I think it was like two, 200000 or whatever. And um, so he, he argued it. And, you know, so I'm not doing it. They're supposed to pay it, and that's when they went uh, when they went after him. So it wasn't like they said, "No, you're wrong. Pay it now." You know, they they put him away because you know he got an argument with them. Well, but even if you if they say CBS said they were going to pay two hundred thousand of it, that's still considered earned income, is it not? Yes. Oh, yes. And so, whoever's paying uh, Hunter's tab on the three million taxes on the three million. Which, by the way, I've never heard how much he's having. To, I think it's a hundred thousand dollars a year, which is what ten percent uh, of of the amount of money he brought in, supposedly. Yeah, so, and then of course you have tax breaks and travel travel breaks, things like that. Well, I, I think all, the bottom line is everybody knows this is a this is a dirty deal. Everybody else has got to go to jail, but uh, Hunter Biden, who's on tape, he's on video. We've all seen it. Uh, you know. It, it, is, it just stinks. Are we at the point now in this country, Bob, that it doesn't matter? I mean, remember Nixon resigned over the fact that he uh, knew about the break-in at Watergate and tried to cover it up, which wasn't even, I guess it was uh, subverting a criminal justice system or avoiding prosecution. But, I mean, in the scheme of the big scheme of things, it wasn't that big a deal. Well, the, the other thing about this is, you know, the prosecutors are recommending a sentence of probation for all of these counts, for two IRS, um, you know, uh, hidden accounts, uh, hidden uh, taxes, and then the gun charge. So there, and then they said, well, well, he really didn't plead guilty. There wasn't really a gun charge. Well, of course he didn't because they allowed it to go into diversion. Now, normally, if if you were caught, like I gave you the example of the poor guy with the IGA, right. he did a year and a day uh, uh, over it. And with Hunter Biden, pro- I mean probation, he didn't even get you know uh, home confinement. No. <laughs> you know he didn't get community service. I also had to do. I think I could. Uh, 300 hours of community service I did, you know, uh, which I, I cleaned up the recovery rooms every day. So, you know, he didn't even get that. Uh, I, this, I said today, this wasn't a hand slap. They had him take his shoe and socks off and hit his little toe. <laughs> I mean, this was, this, this is nothing. Well, this I think Trump for three charges. I think Trump called it a traffic ticket. Is what it amounted to for. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh huh. Uh huh. We're talking. And the other thing I wanted to stress: it's the feds. And when when the feds go after you, you know, there's seventy five charges. Oh yeah, always <laughs> trying to get you on one so you do ten years. 
Well, in your case, uh, you were going to fight it, and they started draining your all your income because you were trying to the lawyers and the cost, and and uh, you know, and so finally you said, I, I can't do it anymore. Right? So, and well, they, I, yeah, I was going to fight it. They called, and now after after I pled and everything, we were able to legally talk to each other. All of us were, you know, my friends and I, and they called one guy in, uh, John from Ohio. They called him in. They said to him, point blank, um, how long do you think they can hold out before we bankrupt him? Yeah. They said that. And John's response, which I told him he shouldn't have said it, he says, you don't know Nay. He'll hold out forever. You don't know him. I said, that gave him a... <laughs> That gave him an enticement to really come get me. But they actually said that to him. How long does he think he can hold out before we bankrupt him? So, you know, the feds, uh, anyway, it, that's what amazes me, uh, that he at least, I mean, in any normal, regular case, you'd get at least, if you want to go like 30 days and community service. Also, you would pay some type of, uh, now in my case, I didn't have to pay restitution because I didn't steal anything. There was no, no money uh, changing know, hands. No money changing hands or anything. So I just had a, the judge did give me a $6,000 fine. Wow. He didn't even get, yeah, he didn't even get a and, fine. And at that time, the, the court report said that I was, uh, it was so embarrassing, I was insolvent. They didn't say indigent. They said <laughs> insolvent, insolvent, and um, but you know he didn't even he didn't even get a fine. They could have fined him for what he did. He didn't even get it. Well, it's, I, it's, I don't know. Uh, we're talking with Bob Nay. We got to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about this, but also talk about the Durham hearing today, which also is a very interesting event. Uh, so stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, this is DeAndre Williams, Ford from the Memphis Tigers. Whether you're a small business owner, single mom, or buying your first home, Southern Security Federal Credit Union is here to be your trusted financial partner. For almost 70 years, Southern Security has been serving the Mid-South community with unbeatable rates, service, and technology. To find out how you can join the Southern Security family, visit southernsecurity.org or by calling our member service team at 901-452-7900. Southern Security is a proud sponsor of the University of Memphis. The bad news, prices are rising everywhere. The good news, I can help. As a health insurance broker, my services are free. I work for you, not the insurance companies. So what type of insurance can I investigate for you? Do you need health insurance for yourself, family, business? Have you considered life, dental, vision, or accident supplements? Let me explore your options with you. Call me, Diane Kimbrough, at 901-606-9091. And let Lady Die, your insurance PI, solve the mystery of insurance for you. Hi, everybody. Another issue of your favorite local lifestyle magazine is out for Memphis Magazine. All about people, parties, and prospering in the Bluff City. Pick up your copy today at the Half Shell, Huey's, Owen Brennan's, and River Oaks, and more locations near you. Scuba diving is one of the greatest adventures you will ever experience. Becoming a scuba diver marks the first step on a journey that will forever change the way you experience the wonder of feeling weightless and interacting with incredible marine life. The Dive Shop offers the best training and equipment for more than just scuba. Explore the water through swimming, snorkeling, free diving, and scuba diving, along with world-class travel. The Dive Shop, 999 South Gates in Memphis, or with other locations at Little Rock, Joplin, and Atlanta. 
Hi, this is DeAndre Williams, forward from the Memphis Tigers. Is your credit card rewarding you for everyday purchases? Southern Security has the perfect low interest reward card that will upgrade your wallet. Rates starting as low as 9.75%, plus earn one point for every dollar spent. For more information, visit southernsecurity.org or by calling our member service team at 901-452-7900. Southern Security is a proud sponsor of the University of Memphis. Hey, it's Vicki Gandy with Crylike Realtors and GoTeamGandy.com. Now is truly the time to have a qualified, experienced realtor with long-term relationships with local lenders in the Memphis area. Don't leave money on the table as you negotiate and apply for your home financing. Team Gandy has 16-plus years of working with buyers and lenders and will connect you with the best loan experts out there. Let Team Gandy find you your perfect home and the local lender who will work to get you the best rate available. Call us today at 901-412-2691 or visit our website at GoTeamGandy.com. Hi everybody, another issue of your favorite local lifestyles magazine is out. Or Memphis Magazine, all about people, parties, and prospering in the Bluff City. Pick up your copy today at Novel Bookstore, Super Low, Buster's Liquors, at Chickasaw Oaks, and more locations near you. I can't wait for what's next. Even with higher stroke risk due to atrial fibrillation, and a regular heartbeat not caused by a heart valve problem. Eliquis, the Pixaban tablets, reduces stroke risk. It's the number one cardiologist prescribed blood thinner. Don't stop taking prescription Eliquis without talking to your doctor, as this may increase your risk of stroke. Eliquis can cause serious and in rare cases fatal bleeding. Don't take Eliquis if you have an artificial heart valve, abnormal bleeding, or have antiphospholipid syndrome. While taking, you may bruise more easily or take longer for bleeding to stop. A spinal injection while on Eliquis increases risk of blood clots, which may cause paralysis, the inability to move. Get medical help right away for unexpected bleeding or unusual bruising, or if you have tingling, numbness, or muscle weakness. It may increase your bleeding risk if you take medicines such as aspirin products, NSAIDs, SSRIs, SNRIs, and blood thinners. Tell your doctor about all planned medical or dental procedures. Learn more at Eliquis.com or call 1-855-ELIQUIS. The Lars Larson Show, this evening at 5 on the Mighty 990 KWAM and streaming online at Mighty990.com. And welcome back on this uh, Wednesday afternoon. We got Bob Nay, former Republican uh, congressman from Ohio, who's on the line with us. Uh, many moons ago, he was accused of um, of uh, finance campaign finance uh, violation. Went on a trip to uh, was it? It was Ireland, I think. I said it was, our, it was uh, Scotland. 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 I said Ireland. And uh, mm-hmm. so and he cleared it through the ethics uh, office, and they said everything looks good. And you signed off on it, but you didn't fill it out, or one of your staff did not fill out the particulars. Well, we had been point-blank told by over four people that the same trip Tom DeLay took was approved by ethics. So based on that approval, we took the trip. I then publicly filed the trip. By the way, this is interesting. Two things. Had I not publicly filed the trip, because after I filed, they did an interview, um... Speaker Hastert had failed to file like six trips, Nancy Pelosi eight. <laughs> they had all these members of Congress that never filed the trip. They never filed their trips. So if I had not filed the trip. They couldn't have done anything. The, the trip, they couldn't have done anything. Wow. Because they would have had to gone, gone back and, and prosecute like 40 members who so, never filed one single trip. So once again, doing the right thing. See, Cost you? Well, it, it was an internal. By the way, the the, the 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 lingo says falsification of a federal document. It was an, it was an internal piece of paper we created in Congress. 
for ourselves. And that made it, but that made it official that document. Made, that made it a federal document, and that's that's how that happened, you know, with that. But you know, I, I didn't care. Well, I, okay, they told us the price. We should have triple checked it, but we didn't even know eventually who even paid for the trip. It was such a train wreck. But anyway, yeah, that's what happened, and so it was called falsification. Which was if you look at Hunter Biden, you know, he intentionally. It wasn't like, oh, I didn't know I had to pay that. He didn't pay it. No, he didn't report uh, it. He, he, he reported. He, he reported no income for those three years, and uh, and so I, I just it's every violent. And then the other thing is, look at the the Biden administration always going on and on and on about we need more gun control. They need to start obeying the law. We need to enforce the law. His son gets popped on illegal, illegal gun weapon charges. And uh, he gets right. diversion, which I understand. When we were talking about the diversion a minute ago, you had to still be on drugs to get the diversion because you were still on drugs. He he supposedly had gotten the cure and is off drugs. Correct. You 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 have to have been charged at the time. And again, I gave the example of the man in prison with the IGA because they went back and and at the time he filled out his gun form and they knew he possessed the gun he had smoked marijuana within that year period of time and that's how they got him wow that was quote use of drugs and ownership of a gun which like i said he obviously did a lot more than pot you know uh, hunter biden and uh the gun charge is the one that blows my mind because that's um you know that's that's a tough one i mean the feds go yeah. crazy with you on a gun charge. And, and they don't ever back off of that. That that could be 10 yeah. years hard time on that one. Yeah, they love gun charges because, you know, it's the best you can compromise five years with them. I guess, I guess the whole thing is, I mean, the, whole, the country's all talking about it, but, I mean, the Democrats act like, uh, hey, you know, well, it's all over now. They they got him, and he's he's paid his mm-hmm. debt to society and so we move on, and they want to say that there there is nothing else with the laptop. That's what his own lawyer said, that, uh, you know, the, as I understand it, this is the end of it. That's the end of it in Delaware. That's not the end of it uh, on the laptop and Congress. And the, the other thing about it is, you know, I mean, I, I know, you know, I was a public official, but he was, uh, you know, the son of the president, public persona, uh, and obviously, you know, he did not pay taxes, but I love how they say, well, you know, he didn't have a have a record. Well, neither did I. <laughs> I didn't have a DUI. You know, I didn't have a record either. Well, and that didn't stop the feds. And this is not about me versus Hunter Biden no. and what happened to me, but it is a good point that, you know, justice for Hunter Biden was a heck of a lot different than the IGA guy, me, and a lot of other people, including Martha Stewart. Yep. You know, if you want to look at that category. So. And she didn't have a record before either, and all hers was. She found out that uh, some stock thing was going to happen, and she told her stockbroker to sell stock, and they got her for insider trading. Right. It was uh, something on a notepad. Yeah. The secretary saw, you know. But he, he's lucky on the sentence. Now, I I had told off the off the air, I, I wish I had said it on air. I like, I like predictions that I make, you know, that come true, and if I... I'm not right. I hope I don't say it on air. But anyway, I had I had told a guy off air, and he's a union uh, Democratic uh, type of activist guy. And I told him two months ago. I said, I bet you they do a plea deal. Get and, this done, move it. And you were right. We're talking with Bob yeah. Nate. We got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about today's hearing with Durham and Steve Cohen. Another shining moment for our mm-hmm, congressman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so stay with us. We'll be back. 
Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome back. Uh, we're going to be joining Bob Nay again in just a second. He's on the line. But, uh, first, uh, and also Bill, who's at Bartlett, uh, wants to comment on Steve Cohen. But I want everybody to hear what Steve Cohen had to say today during the Durham hearings. Uh, of course, Durham was a special prosecutor that looked into uh, all the business surrounding uh, the uh, Russia, 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 and the dossier that all turned out to be fake. At any rate, here's um, here's uh, Steve Cohen uh, addressing a rather angry question toward uh, Durham. It's a question. I tried to follow your report. Mr. Donald Trump Jr. would have called it a, a nothing burger. Mm-hmm. You got no convictions. You got nothing. It was all set up to hurt the Mueller report, which was correct and was redacted, to hurt the Bidens, and to help Trump. And you were a part of it. You have a good reputation. You had a good reputation. That's why the two Democrats supported you. But the longer you hold on to Mr. Barr and this report that Mr. Barr gave you as special counsel, your reputation will be damaged. As everybody's reputation who gets involved with Donald Trump is damaged, he's damaged goods. There's no good dealing with him because you will end up on the bottom of a pyre. I yield back the balance of my time. Sure. Can we uh, presume the gentleman's undecided on on how he feels about the former president? Gentlemen. Witness can respond. Yeah, my uh, concern about my reputation is with uh, the people who I respect and my family and my Lord. And I'm perfectly comfortable with my reputation with them, sir. Well said. God bless you. Um, the, um, well done. Uh, we're going to go to real quick to Bill and Bartlett. So what do you think, Bill? You know, I think that Steve Cohen is the largest, biggest embarrassment to Shelby County and District 9 in the state of Tennessee that has ever walked on this soil. I I can't even go deep enough into how how bad that man is for this county. But he really blew it today. Um, Did it come across to you? Now I can't even think. Did it come across to you how angry he was? He was so angry he, he couldn't even get the words out. He's the poster child for divisiveness yes. in, in this county. And I actually called his office, Earl, and told I got to talk to a young lady, and I told her what an embarrassment he was to Tennessee's District 9 and Shelby County and Tennessee. And she hung up on me. <laughs> I guess she didn't want to hear that. <laughs> she didn't want to hear that, but I'm an activist at heart, and I don't <laughs> mind saying it. Todd will tell you that. Ben will tell you that. I, I get on their show frequently, but... I normally don't have trouble articulating, but he just made me so angry today, and I was sitting here thinking of all these things I wanted to say about what he said, and and I just can't even I can't even put it into words. That's just he's just crazy. He doesn't belong in that seat. Yeah, well, tell the voters in that uh, district because they keep sending him back. But uh... well, you know, the problem Earl is, and I said this on Todd's show several times. In the last election, we only had 22% turnout, yeah, total vote. You're right. That means less than 11% of the Republicans got off their butts and voted. Yep. And that's the real problem. It, it, it's not that they keep sending Cohen back to to Congress. It's that we won't get off our butts and, and vote. support anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Charlotte yeah. Bergman would be a good choice. There's a lot of people that have oh, been I think in the so past too. years. But, but anybody would be better than Steve Cohen. Well, I Literally. would agree. 
I would definitely say that they're worth the consideration because we know what he's like. We've seen years and years of it. Bill, thank you for yep. checking in, and thanks for listening. <laughs> All right, thanks, Earl. You bet. Uh, back to the phone with Bob Nay. What was your impression of Mr. Cohen, Bob? Yeah, what, you know, are you aware he uh, attacked me during the... No. Uh, brought, yeah, he brought my name up during, not during Durham, during uh, when Lewandowski, Corey Lewandowski was called in. And Cohen came in with uh, chicken, bucket of chicken or something. Oh, I mean, yeah, calling, the Kentucky Fried Chicken. I do remember that. Yeah, he was that. calling Corey Lewandowski chicken, chicken calling the, for, the Forrest Gump of something of... of Trump or whatever, and then he says, uh, when he was questioning, so, I wish I could remember exactly what he said, but it was something effective, so, is that that like your former boss that went to prison, Bob Ney, and he brought brought me, friends of mine, I had a couple friends in Congress tell me, and that's how, at the time, I have to look it up. I I remember this thing, because everybody was so embarrassed over that, uh, sitting together eating a piece of Kentucky Fried Chicken. And uh, I, it was just, it's, and even the, the, yeah, he thinks he has this comedic side yeah. to him. You well, know? he's um, no. Com- you, know, you know what? I'm, <laughs> go ahead. You know what? I'm go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was going to say what amazes me when you see the Durham testimony. First of all, uh, Durham broke with Trump on several issues, and he responded to Trump's attacks on Barr. You know. And so then, uh, you know, so in one hand, the Democrats like, like Barr's statement that, you know, Trump was reckless, but on the other hand, when Durham, uh, agrees with Barr, then something's wrong with him. And the way I looked at it, you, you know, he couldn't win on this. They wanted him to say, uh, cause he had the investigation in Russia's probe. It started under one president, went into another one. He says that none of them tried to do undue influence, you know, to him. Yeah. And that, but he testifies in his report, he concludes that the FBI should have only launched a preliminary, but not a full investigation in the connections between Trump's presidential campaign and Russia, that they should have done a preliminary. That's simply what he says. And obviously, there was nothing when they were finished to charge anybody, you know, with the Trump uh, top of the campaign echelon with anything. Well, he also, Steve also brought up the the meeting with uh, the Trump sons at uh, at Trump Tower and these supposed Russians who were coming over there that had supposedly had dirt on uh, on uh, Hillary Clinton, and they got there. It turned out they really wanted a meeting to talk about. Uh, about uh, adoption, because at the time there were a lot mm-hmm. of Russian children being adopted and brought over here. And I remember mm-hmm. that. Well, the, then Cohen said, no, that's not what it was at all. They were there to talk about getting sanctions dropped, and because Trump could do that, and that would help the Russians, and then they were going to help him out by mm-hmm. cheating with the election. And he said, and who else would do that? Who else would do that? Well, do you remember when um, when uh, our senator from California uh, that uh, – had the the Russian disc jockeys call him up and told him they they had pictures of Trump neck and he's going when can I get those pictures? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll take them. You know, and he said he did he did exactly what Cohen was saying that the Trump guys were doing looking for dirt on somebody else, and yet nobody brings that up. Nobody brought it up at the meeting today. Although, um, I think that uh, uh, the senator from California was there again today. So was. 
uh, all the characters are there during the impeachment of the Democratic side, and I haven't seen them since then. It was really disturbing to have to look at them again. Well, and, you know, here's the other thing. You know, because Cohen's done a lot of theatrics for this. Uh, the other Democrat, Jim Himes of Connecticut, he's the ranking Democratic member. He says that, you know, there needs to be some changes in the FBI and FISA court. That's for sure. Yeah. FISA court is a rubber stamp is all it is. Yeah. And then Hines added that the Durham report didn't find politicization within the FBI, but found confirmation bias, which we all know about the agent, his girlfriend, mm-hmm. and the, you know, the whole nine yards. So Durham's report, in, in fact, if anything, you know, some people that defend Trump would say, Doran did nothing. But on the Democratic side, they're trying to make it look like Doran said, you know, indict the head of the FBI tomorrow morning. And he didn't. It was an in-between report said that, uh, you know, that they basically jumped the gun, but he didn't find politicization. He found confirmation bias, which means when the FBI hears something, which I refer to this all the time, I've said it on your show, the FBI was told that the Shah of Iran's daughter gave me a boat. Yep. They leaked that to the Los Angeles Times and the D.C. newspapers. It wasn't true, but they leaked it because th- that's confirmation bias. That's what that is. And they and do it what, all the time. They do it all the time. And that's what Durham exposed, confirmation bias in the in the uh, FBI and some agents that hated Trump, etc., so all he was saying was there should have been a preliminary report. Then they could make a decision because they ended up with a full-scale investigation that didn't. It wasn't based go on anywhere. anything. Yeah, it was never based on fact or truth, and they could never prove it. In fact, they offered a million dollars to steal if he could validate any of the points, any of them. And he couldn't do it. And by the way. I've been involved in campaigns for 40-some years, and I was involved in congressional campaigns on the Congressional Campaign Committee for the Republicans. Democrats are no different. Everybody that gets a phone call that says, we've got some information, somebody meets with them. Yeah. yeah. I'm and, telling you right now. Yeah. And that, that's where you, for the folks out there listening, when you hear them say, a source close to the investigation... <laughs> <laughs> and what usually that, that that translates into the FBI gave us a call the today FBI. and said, uh, "Here you We're go." Sure. So, well, it's it's uh, something rotten in Denmark, Bob, and and I think we all knew it. And uh, I don't know how we're going to resolve it because it, until we get in there and get into the DOJ, and even Durham was saying, "No, the DOJ definitely needs cleaned up." So does the FBI, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do you how do you get to that point? Because they're the ones that conduct the investigation, and they're the ones who go out and arrest people and enforce subpoenas. So there you are. Sure. Well, all right, Bob Nate, appreciate the insight, and thank, thank you, you, sir. Okay, thanks. All right, we're going to take a quick break, uh, then we'll be right back. Welcome back on this uh, Wednesday afternoon. Actually, we just got back into Studio A. We were uh, broadcasting out of Studio B. Uh, Todd Starnes, who is in New York this week, uh, filling in for one of the anchors at uh, Newsmax. And he had Randy uh, Wright with the dive shop on talking about the missing uh, uh, sub that's uh, off the coast of Newfoundland that uh, for the Titanic. 
and that search is going on there. And so they needed this studio because we have all the cameras in here to do a live feed to New York. So they just completed that. Uh, but it is uh, it is an, an amazing effort. They said they've gotten these uh, three ships showed up today, this morning. Uh, so the resources they have there uh, in the search zone is uh, pretty significant. And hopefully, the, you know, something good can happen. I just, everybody I'm talking to says, you know, even if they find it, which they haven't found it yet, the the job of uh, of getting it to, to the surface. I mean, they still don't even know where it is, and if they do find it, it is somehow anchored or entrapped somehow. They got to figure out how to get it loose, and all they have are these ROVs, remote uh, operating vehicles, and uh, they got to be able to use one of those to untangle it. Uh, because the people inside can't do anything. They're they're actually bolted into the uh into the little sub, which would freak me out if they explained that to me and said, uh, Mr. Farrell, you realize we're gonna bolt you in here with seventeen bolts and there's nothing you can do to save yourself if this thing gets in any kind of trouble. I would I'm in fact, did you hear that? There was one guy that was supposed to go along on this dive and he just started looking at the, the different safety features of it and he said, You know what? I'm not feeling good about this. I think I'm I think I'm gonna ask for my money back and my deposit and I think I'm gonna pass. And he did. Otherwise he would have been down there as well. And that would have also meant that one of the people who did go on couldn't have gone on. Maybe that nineteen year old son of the, the the British subject that uh the millionaire from Pakistan, maybe he wouldn't have gone. Uh just a tragedy all the way around but we're still praying for him and holding out hope that uh, somehow they'll be able to to get in there and do something. As I said earlier, they did hear some hammering noises that were coming every 30 minutes, which tells you two things. One, if you hear any kind of noise, that's something causing a noise and it ain't the fish. The fish don't use hammers and they got no opposing digits to pick anything up to hit anything with. Number two, it's doing it 30 minutes apart. And, and, and so that means that it's not a constant, like something with the current blowing up against it, and it just does it constantly it, every 30 minutes, and the fact that it was right on time every 30 minutes. Those are all signals to anybody that can hear it that there's somebody alive. And uh, always keep that in mind. The people have used that kind of thing uh, in mine cave-ins and all kinds of situations where people are trapped is doing something at a regular interval and keeping uh, your sanity the part to me that would be the most difficult is a running out of oxygen, uh, because then you, and the more anxious you get, you got to keep yourself calm because you breathe deeper and harder if you're if you have anxiety, and then I think it, it's a very good chance they could be in total complete darkness, and imagine that you can't even feel your way around to see if there's if there's where the little ring is you pull to float to the top, if they in fact had a power outage. Uh, but the fact that they stopped communicating a minute and 45 minutes into the dive uh, just makes me think that something catastrophic happened. But then when I heard the, the fact that there were tapping noises, then I, I, I got more hope. So I'm hoping that uh, that is the case, that uh, they're able to do something uh, to get over there and, and locate where this noise is coming from. What they did is they dropped these buoys that have listening devices that go down into the water and they can triangulate uh, where this noise is coming from just by the by the uh, sounds that picked up by different devices, and they can um, 
vector it and go into the spot where it is. Now, once they can cross vector it, they still have to get something to that location, and they don't know where it is yet. They haven't been able to figure that out. The sad part is that they're running out of time. I think they're down into less than 20 hours of oxygen left, and that's saying that they're not breathing it up faster than uh, they need to be, as we said, from anxiety and everything else. So it's uh, just a amazing situation. Also, it has come out that the, one of the a CBS reporter that did a piece on him for CBS Sunday Morning News back in November said that while he was on board the mothership, while it was down, they actually lost it for three or four hours that they couldn't find the same sub. And eventually they were able to locate it and get it back up again. And then he went down. I wouldn't have gone down after they lost it. <laughs> now, now, guys, this ain't happening. I'm not getting on that thing. And I have literally flown on everything. I've been on just about every kind of floating device. I've been in a submarine. I've not gone down on a submarine. And that freaked me out just being in a submarine, thinking about what it would be like to be on one. I had a good friend, Steve Lacey, that I worked with at Channel 3 that was a, a submariner. Although I heard today that you could also call them submariners. I've almost always heard it submariner, uh, just like the watch, submariner watch. But at any rate, he was in the submarine, and they go down for like, you know, three months at a time. Couldn't, couldn't do that. No grilling out for three months. Ain't going to happen. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we got uh, Vicki Gandy with the Team Gandy and Mark Bean Blossom up next. We're going to be talking about the housing market. So stay with us. He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere. A radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome back in on this uh, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, in studio with me now is uh, Vicki Gandy with Team Gandy, uh, also Crylite. And uh, I mean, full disclosure, I have to say that uh, my next guest with her today is a gentleman by the name of Mark Beanblossom, who I've known probably, what, 25, 30 years. Uh, we used to live down the street from each other. And it, you meet people every once in a while in your whole life that for some reason, the minute you meet him, you go, I like this guy. <laughs> and he was out walking his two uh, basset hounds with his little boy, little Mark, who's now married and 34, 35 years old. And they're walking down the street, and I said, them dogs are pretty interesting. He goes, them dogs is nothing but trouble. <laughs> we have known each other a long time. We have. But uh, Mark's a very successful closing attorney here in Memphis and uh, does a lot of work with uh, with Vicky and she wanted Oh, to... absolutely, Mark. Mark, I started when Carmen and I were partners. Carmen took me to Mark's office and said, "This is who you need to close." And that pretty much has been it. I do a little bit more with, you know, some Carl Lake stuff too, but mainly Mark. It's just I, he has the greatest office. I know everybody in there love every all of them in there. They're like family. So very very great. efficient, which is what mm-hmm. you want. I tell people all the time. I said, uh it's like you're an agent. You you want to have a good agent, but then you want to have a great closing attorney so that everything happens. Because if you get there and the closing gets put off, you don't know when the next closing can be set up because everybody's got tight schedules. And so houses, it, it's a, it's a, like the D-Day invasion, closing on a house. 
and it, it's that has to be that well coordinated because a lot of th- there's so many active things that are going on. Well, and two, you know, they're they're so great because they're always available after the fact. A lot of attorneys don't necessarily volunteer their name in the card if you ever have a problem. I give his cards out all the time. <laughs> he may not like that, and but I appreciate it. <laughs> but I'll say, you call Mark anytime; he'll help you. You know, and and he has helped me in situations. We've even had some weird some weird situations with clients that weren't even his that he's spoken with and met with and helped us get some deal. You remember the deal they had the the um, they built the I won't say the name of the company, but they built some houses on some really bad land, and the houses were sinking. And this client of mine who wasn't a client, she didn't call; she's a friend, and she called me after the fact. And said, I don't know what to do. And, you know, so we had to help her get out of the situation. Did you, did you say, have you heard of the word fire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well. but that Mark is, and it's not, because I've done that with him too. I mean, just other things mm-hmm. with contracts and all kinds of stuff. What was it about uh, this part of the law that attracted you, Mark? I mean, was it the real estate business itself? I think it was, and also if you go down to the court very often, you'll you understand that yes. this is a much cleaner and, and, <laughs> and happier occasion for the most part. In fact, yeah. it is. Most people at a closing, are they're anxious, but they're very excited for the seller and the buyer because right. usually the seller is going on to another house, and the, the, and the buyer's excited because they're usually moving up. And so it's a happy experience, and and. And you make it very pleasant because uh, you've yeah. got a great, very dry sense of humor. And and he, he, he starts off uh, with many, after you get things pretty much wrapped up, he goes, uh, did I tell you one about the guy I had in the other day? <laughs> oh, he's always got a good story, no doubt. But, you know, it's funny because when I started, I started in uh, August of 07. And the first closing we went to was with Carmen. I was just a observer. I had nothing to do with it, but it was like in October or November and the people had the sellers had to bring money to the table, and those were the days when they were upside down. And you you go in and they're like ready to sell their house and make a profit, and you'll go, well, you actually can't get that price now, and you're gonna. And I, I'd listen to her have to tell these people, and we're cracking up, going, I'm not saying a word, going, what have I gotten myself into? You know, <laughs> it was a little scary, but I still made it. It was it was a hard work, but but Mark was Mark's really great in a crisis. If something goes wrong, he handles it really well. He's he, got a real calming. He never gets excited. Yeah. And uh, even when everybody else is freaking out, he goes, everybody settle down. We're going to get through this. Just, this is what we're going to take, step A, step B, step C. And then so everybody climbs down off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's not life or death. We don't no, think but, it is. But yeah, some not. people do, but he does, and he's great. And he's, um, and I, but I've seen him. I've seen him go head-to-head with some other. We've had some agents that were 112, not agents, uh, attorneys that were very old, and they decided that they weren't going to do it this way, and, Mark finally, I was sitting there with him one time, and he called the guy, and he said, okay, well, we just won't close. Bye. And hung up. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, okay. And about 10 minutes later. It gets the, your attention. <laughs> the guy called back and said, I did, he didn't mind changing his mind. He but, said, I surrender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can be tough. It, it, But it is. It's, and it's also because I don't know how many closings we've been with you. And uh, I know my daughter just got a house. They're closing with you on the 10th. Um, and we've recommended to you so many other people. Life is, is so full of hassles and, mm-hmm. and people that don't know what they're doing that when you find somebody that does know what they're doing, uh, you go, I'm writing your name down and I'm giving all your cards out just like you do. With mm-hmm. them because it's how many times can you recommend somebody that really is, is good at what they do? And, and so it's, it's a rarity that it happens. And, 
It does. It really is. It makes it makes it in his office too. I mean, I can call Donna. I can text Donna at home. I mean, I can text him. I've texted him, and he's well. I'm in. I'm getting ready to go to whatever concert because he and Ginger go to concerts a lot. And I'm, I'm getting ready to walk in there. I'll, I'll call you back. And he also helps me. One thing that I do, and a lot of agents do this too, when there's something weird on the contract you've got to write that you're not familiar or as familiar as you should be, I'll call him or say, hey, "Now tell me exactly how to write this." And I also call lenders and do the same thing because I want to get it through underwriting and I want to get it where he won't go, no, that's not going to fly, you know, and that helps me because, you know, sometimes you have to write something unusual. Well, let's talk about the housing market itself right now. Uh, I know that uh, houses are selling. I, the oh, yeah. people that live right across the street from me, uh, Sunday, they had uh, open house mm-hmm. and they must have had 15 cars there. They had two offers before noon and the next day contract pending sign on the for sale sign. Uh, so that tells me, and that was for five fifty, and I bet it ended up selling for more than that. So now the higher end homes, there's no problem moving those. It's what, what is the, where's the the rub right now? Well, it 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 depends. It's got to be priced right. Um, that's you know I've got one that I was was priced a little high. They you know the problem is are people look at last year and they'll say hey you know but my neighbor got this price and I'll say well look at the date. Let's look at something. And so what I basically do now. Whenever I quote comparables to people, I only go back three to four months. I don't go back like six. You can go back six months, but I don't like to because that's six months. Things have months, changed so much. Yeah, and that six months can still pick up. And then that, that six months that that house sold high, it's going to make that house go higher. So I try to give them the lowest because the lower the, is the better. I've got one right now that I just I had it on the market one, two days and had an open house. And I ended up with two offers well over the sales price, but we priced it right. And I had to kind of you know, kind of push the, the seller a little bit. So. Marcus told me that for years, like, there'll be a house. And uh, I said, there's a house down the street for me. Man, it's been for sale for a year. He said, they've got it priced mm-hmm. too high. That's not 99% it's, of the it's time. It's not like in the old days where people go, I wonder if that's a good price. I mean, you can go online and, and Google and stuff and get, uh, you know, comps from any area, uh, pick up the, the uh, business journal or the daily news because they print all the transactions. So it doesn't it's not take you long to figure out whether or not, what's out there and what houses are going for. Well, and then two updates. Uh, this is the other thing. You know, you have somebody who's done everything right, and, th- and people will pay more for that because they don't have to spend the money. And then I have the person that will call me and say, well, yeah, the guy three doors down, same floor plan as mine. And I look at it, and it still has the, you know, the olive floor you know, countertops and the same dishwasher he's had since 1970. And I'm <laughs> like, no. <laughs> he might he got one of the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, those ovens I had, I had the old green ones and they would not die avocado I mean, green yeah I remember they would it, yeah. not die and they it w- came with that green shag carpet <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was it's some of those i was like i finally told my husband he kept replacing the element i said please let me get a new oven it wouldn't die you know so we finally did but in fact uh, scott salmon's a good friend of yours being told me at the being up he had invited me to play at the chickasaw member guest tournament one time <laughs> scott Salmons comes up to me and he's, i had these these old sunglasses on he goes did you get some shag carpet with those sunglasses? And I went, <laughs> are they dated? He goes, yeah. <laughs> so I got rid of them. It's kind of like shag carpet. And I know grass cloth is probably the most expensive wallpaper you can buy now. Yeah. I understand. Oh, yeah. It used to be everywhere. Yeah. I mean, that was they're, they're starting to paint it. And it, the wallpaper's coming back. I'm beginning to see it here and there in, in dark colors, which is so odd. Um, purples and blues and, yeah. and the, some of the best of homes had dark dark black walls we saw one of the houses that uh josh my daughter taylor mm-hmm. looked at had black walls in the entry coming in the hall yeah and i think john one of john dukes which was beautiful but it had the dark walls and the 
in the master or excuse me primary bedroom and then the the bathroom had a lot of black accessories or something i can't remember exactly but it was pretty but it's a little dark for me i'm just i'm a little more light person well i'm there's enough dark things in the world that you know i'm for <laughs> everything about happy and you know yeah. Yeah. uh spring is sprung uh we're talking with vicky gandy and uh, mark bean blossom we're gonna take a quick break we'll come right back and uh, talk about uh, some other things you might want to plan ahead for if you're buying your first home or you're going into your third home because it, it's a constantly changing world. We'll talk about it when we come back. And welcome back on this Wednesday afternoon. Vicki Gandy with Team Gandy and Cry Like is uh, in studio. And uh, Mark Beanblossom, who's a closing attorney, and, I just, and I've known him for years. I just found out that he had a, a radio show, music show in college. North Carolina, and I never knew that. I can understand it. It's true because uh, over the years that we've had, we'd have pool parties at his house, and he would get on the the little broadcast thing. Say, uh, attention, pool uh, visitors! So if you had the potato salad, you need to check in with the the infirmary, and, <laughs> and if you didn't have it, stay away from it. But uh, it is a uh, much better decision you went with the law thing. I think so. <laughs> and you, you ended up graduating from Ole Miss? No, North Carolina. North Carolina. My wife went to Ole Miss. That's, I knew there was an Ole Miss connection. Uh, just didn't know what it was. And then, Vicki, you went to school here in Memphis? I was Memphis. Yes, yeah. I did. And then I graduated from Baptist. I was an associate. had my associate degree from Baptist. I was a lab, MLT, med, medical license technician. I used to draw blood and do all the blood work. Yeah, I, my parents said I was a road scholar. I was always on the road from one school to the next. <laughs> well, I was a big sorority girl and on fashion board and, you know, all that. So yeah. my grades were not the best. So I, the only reason I got into Baptist, Shirley Carey was the lady in charge. And she said, okay, I'll let you in because I started working there first. I thought I could work my way in. And, and she liked me. So she said, okay, I'll, I just won't look at your grades. We'll just let you start. So yeah. I got in. And trying it was fun. I liked. I did that for a long, well, several years. Last time I went to get a MRI, uh, they they put that chemical stuff the in dye, you, yeah. the dye, and, and this girl says, "How are you going to do this?" She goes, "I this is my first week." Then she went, "Uh oh." <laughs> I went, what, "What do you mean, uh oh?" <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> Supervisor. <laughs> uh, it is so that with with anything like real estate, when things are good, you, people jump on board. Everybody wants to be a real estate agent. Uh, Mark, you see it all the time. You see people come, you see people go. Uh, right now, the people that are really good at it are still there. They're still all, you know, the Judy Max, the Vicky, uh, people that have been around for a long time because they know what they're doing. Other people, if you don't sell a house in a year, you know, it, that's a lean year. Yeah. And even if you sell a, a house and get a a good uh, commission, you, you that's that's how you make a living. I don't think people understand how many houses you show? How many deals that don't go through? Oh, yeah. I've got a couple that I just, I don't know if Marianne's listening today. She and Mark, they go to Christ Methodist, too. And they, we looked at houses for two years. And just, you know, because they wanted a certain all one level, you know, in Germantown, you know, and certain, a lot of, we had a lot of uh, boxes to check, but we figured it out. But but that's the other thing. There's a thing that we now put in our packet. We, we've started doing packets, like a buyer packet, seller packet. And we put in there how real estate agents are are paid. They don't realize we don't make a dime, um, and we pay for everything. That sign in the yards, I pay for. You know, every <coughs> we you know we have to pay for the gas in our cars. Those, those cookies you put in the house when you show them. <laughs> Absolutely, everything. How every many piece cookies of paperwork. You'd be bought in your time. My big joke was when I started with Crylight. <clears throat> the first job I ever had, I had to write them a check. 
I literally had to write them a check to pay because, you, you know, you have to pay for the Internet. We have everything at Crawley, and it's amazing, and it's a, very affordable, but that they still you have to pay for your you know, web page and everything else. It's all, everything's yours to pay for. When you see new, especially new agents coming in, and you know that this is maybe their first closing, uh, are you as, as – because I don't know how you make everybody else feel like, hey, this is all, this is this, and this is that. You got to sign this here, do this. Do you do that with the agents as well? Because if they don't have any experience, it's all new to them. Sure, they uh, call quite often, text, email, whatever we have to do, whatever they need to do, and I encourage that because I know that today's new agent is next year, the next year, the next year, the experienced agents, and and they're from my standpoint, referrals are important, and and but naturally we prefer to deal with the more experienced agents such as Team Gandy and, and other type uh, or other agents and all companies, but but you're correct. We we kind of help them as much as we can. Our, right now, I know that uh, homes are selling in Collierville, where I live, Germantown, uh, East Memphis. I see all these homes being torn down uh, over there by the old racket club and, and the building uh, make mansions there, you know, <laughs> these not even big lots, but they're filling up every square inch of the lot. Uh, and then downtown, every time I go downtown, I'm amazed at what's going on down there. So is, is, are the building starts, or are we still seeing a lot of that going on in Memphis? Because it seems like I am. I think it is. Building, I think, is, I think buildings are still going really well. I mean, they're, they're, they're selling maybe not quite okay. as fast, but the thing is they're doing offering a lot of incentives. I mean, it's, it's, I was noticing the other day Mag, Magnolia Homes was offering some things, and Grant was doing some things. We went through a tour of the, some of the Grant homes recently, and they're really nice. Um, they're they they you know they price their houses as affordably as they can. But it now I will say I think it's not quite as hard to build right now. Haven't you heard things have kind of gone down? Like lumber was so outrageous. Oh, the piece of plywood was like forty two bucks at yeah. one point. It was I think unbelievable. That's leveled off a little bit, and trucking has gotten. You know, they were talking about we had a meeting, a commercial meeting with one of the commercial agents for quite like yesterday, and they were saying that Memphis is right in the middle. They're they're shipping more and more ships to New Orleans and that area. Well, L.A. is closed. Yeah. Uh, so the, they're bringing everybody the, they got in. a big longshoreman strike going on there. And then, of course, you got the rider strike in Hollywood, and that really messes up the whole country. <laughs> yeah, we're, it's really hurting my business a lot. Yeah. yeah. Somebody said, watching the Colbert show is uh, really not as funny anymore. I said, really? The Colbert show is not funny anymore? They got 72 riders. I never thought it was funny. I mean, what do those guys do, you know? But they're all on strike now. Uh, if if uh, people are, are looking around and, and they're sitting there going, well, should I buy now? My advice to everybody is if if you've got a house you want to sell, sell it now. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a house you want to buy, if you come across a house that you like and it's where you want it, you should buy it now. Well, an inventory is still good. It's low. It's not high like it was. I mean, we were talking about that yesterday. We were laughing. Um, you know, as people say, oh, there's. 2,000 houses on the market. Well, I can remember when I was started, there was 7,000, 6,800 to wow. seven. And, you know, and that's about basically what they call a six-month span of houses. So right now, you know, 1,200 to, or to 2,000 houses is not that many. They start selling, and it's interesting. I'll look every day, and they'll be, you know, I'll pull them up. They've been on the market two or three days, and I see contingent, contingent, contingent. So they're definitely selling. Um, Mark's staying busy. I mean, we're both staying busy. It's uh, I'm real busy right now, so I'm I've writing quite a few contracts. But you like this more than when it was so crazy when uh, people yes. were going in. It was a bidding war every house that you went to, and uh, there were literally people bringing out fifty thousand in cash. Go put it on a barrel head right here. Let's do this thing. People are playing for moving. Oh, we'll pay moving van. <clears throat> but I will say this: we talked about we had a really high walkaway 
a, like a year ago and two years ago, we had a lot of people walking away because they would jump in and buy it. You know, like I would look at you and say, okay, Earl, I'm showing you a house. Before we leave, you're going to have to make your decision, and we're going to sit here and write the contract because there's no walking through a second time. And so these people would get the, get the house tied up, and they'd go through the inspection, and they'll go, I don't like this house now. And then they'd and, back out. And they can back out. We found that yeah. out with my daughter. Yeah, you can. The people, they sold their house, and the people they were going to buy their house found out they were having their fourth child, and they went, we ain't going anywhere. <laughs> and I called Mark. I said, can they back out? And he said, yeah, with 30 days of signing or something. I don't recall exactly what. I think they had an offer. Yes. Your 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 son and yeah, they son in law had an offer. And then the buyers decided to back out. Well they didn't qualify for the loan all of a sudden, I think is what it was. Yeah. Or was this the house they were looking at? This is the house they were looking at and the people that were living there uh said, Look, we just found out we're gonna have our fourth child and we can't afford to leave now because we you know, my wife's gonna be out of work for, you know, the pregnancy part. And it goes back into the cost and ex- and expense and yeah. time of enforcing yeah. the contract. But it worked out okay. They found a house uh, in Collierville, pretty close to a place they were looking before. That actually, I think, is a, is a, is a neater house. So yeah, sometimes that works out. And, and and I always tell people that you know don't freak out over this because it's just like my father used to say when I'd say, "Dad, there's a party in Austin. I gotta I gotta leave the oil field early on Friday to get there." He goes, "Son, there's a party in Austin every weekend, <laughs> and there always will be." But I didn't want to miss any of them. <laughs> Vicki Gandy, thank you very much. And Mark Beamblossom, thank you. Uh, Those are two names you want to remember. You're looking at houses, buying or selling. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. Hey, thank you very much, and welcome back. Uh, we got Vicki Gandy with Team Gandy. Uh, she's also with Cry Like. we got Mark Beamblossom, who's a uh, closing real estate attorney, who's uh, been around for years, um, although he's much younger than me. <laughs> so what does that tell you? Uh, but the, your, your your office is in Germantown, right? It's in Memphis. On in Memphis. Aaron Brenner Drive, right on the edge. Right, on right the behind Crowley's Bell Hall. Yeah, in fact, I remember you used to have an office in the Crowley building. I did. Uh, uh, but you close people all over the city, doesn't matter. Yes, sir. And do you I also do. do closings for Mississippi, Arkansas? Yes, I have an attorney that's uh, a member of my firm that of counsel that, that uh, we are able to close via him. Uh, one thing uh, we were talking about earlier during the break was uh, the amount of fraud that's going on out there. And everybody hears the ads about, you know, watch out. People can literally go to uh, the county clerk's office and say, I just bought this house, and they will file it and, and they actually steal your house. And then they can go sell it again to somebody. They get the down payment or something. So, And then you got to fight to get your house back. How bad is, is that the worst problem going on out there right now? Well, we don't see a lot of that, but it's certainly that's a, a – a primary issue and all of the title underwriters have, have schooled us to, to be more aware of, of such issues as fraudulent deeds, et cetera. Uh, probably the, the most prevalent thing we see now are, are the, the wire fraud issues, uh, the, the fraudulent checks. Uh, in fact, I've had one come through my account last night and we subscribed to a program, positive pay and a, and a commercial company called Rhino that, that they everything's uploaded and they view it and and send us exception reports and all of that. How do they think they're going to get away with that? I mean, you're doing a transaction on a house, and if they send you a, a check that doesn't clear on the closing, 
Do they just hope they can close it and then it, the check bounces? Then to let you take them to court to try to get the money back? Is that what the well? Scam we don't is? we don't accept checks anymore. Uh, even cashier's checks can be fraudulent or, or mm-hmm. uh, stop paid uh, or a stop paid placed upon them. So everything's in wires via wires. Uh, but you said they're also figuring out how to do fraudulent wires. Oh well, they intercept the instructions and they'll instead of First Horizon or or you know, whomever. They'll put Wells Fargo, San Francisco, and 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 that's why it's important to to uh, listen to what the agent tells you uh, as far as contacting the attorney's office, and we use a secure email program for wiring instructions, et cetera. You know, the, you just think that it, as we society and civilization advances, you would think that we'd all be better people and you could cut out crime. It just gets more sophisticated is all. Yeah, we have a we it's so funny our contract when I started I think I don't know how many pages it was but it's been it's we've probably added 10 pages since I started 16 years ago or maybe a lot more and we now have a form we have two different things we have to initial on the contract it mentions wire wire fraud you have to initial there and then we have a sheet that says you know before you do anything you know call your agent make sure and then you know I always tell people go you know go to the get the wiring instructions from Mark's office and go to the bank and call Donna at Mark's office and make sure everything's correct. Verify everything. Um, I know one of the, one of my lenders was telling me, she said the her client called and said, why did you change the amount that we we're supposed to bring to the table? And she said, he said, I got your email that said we had to change it to this. And I now have to send it to this number and not the same one. And she's like, I didn't change anything. Wow. Uh, my husband, who's a home inspector, he, um, we were driving on a trip, and he had a some guy call him for a reinspection, and I could hear the guy crying on the phone. He was a, like Italian or something, and he was crying. I, and, sure, it wasn't me. Yeah, and Ty was <laughs> Todd, my husband. was like, oh, it's, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And the guy said, I was, um, I I wired my forty thousand dollars. I've been saving for fifteen oh years God. to whatever, and he said that it's and now I can't buy the house, so you can't. I'm canceling the reinspection. But luckily, he called the lender right after he did the wire, and they were able. I think it took about a month or so, but got he was the money able. Back. He lost the house, but he got his money back. Uh, well, but, yeah, something's got to go. The house, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, good news. But he was somewhere. one of the lucky ones. It doesn't always happen. No, because and we have the Better Business Bureau in here all the time talking about different scams going mm-hmm. on, and and the deal where uh, put it on a uh, uh, cash card and send me the cash card yeah, number. Don't ever do that because. Uh, you have no backup, and there's no way to stop it. Once you send go to them, they got the money, and there's no no finding them. Well, that and there's people calling saying, "I have your son, your son's in the hospital, yeah. uh, jail, and or, yeah. and, uh, and all that." That happened to somebody I know that they sent the money. Well, this new artificial intelligence. I saw a piece of the day where this woman gets a call from her 16 year old daughter, and it's her voice, and she's going, "They got me, mom. They got me." Yeah. This guy goes, "Look, we're going to kill her and take her down to Mexico, okay. sell her uh, until you unless you pay the money." Don't call the police or anything else. And she called the police, and they said, we're all coming over. They get over there. It turned out they had gotten the daughter's voice off of uh, uh, either uh, the TikTok or whatever they do. Or People that uh, she makes videos, they take the voice, and they contact the parents, and they can actually take artificial intelligence to make them say things. Yeah. So, you know, you just got to be extremely careful. Also, the um, uh, squatters. Squatters are a big problem. I know out in California they're huge, and, and we've had situations. I remember covering one here on Shady Grove, very nice home. The woman went in there and said, I ain't leaving, and it took them a year to get her out of there. And that's right, and, and, and very expensive and, and like you said, time-consuming. 
so the main thing is, and from my perspective, is for everyone to pay attention to what they're doing and, and use their due diligence, call their agent, call their mortgage person, call the attorney, whomever. Uh, the more due diligence you, you utilize, I think the better off you'll be and hopefully or, prevent some of Is that something you, that you should be concerned about if you have a house, like you, you're moving someplace and so you're going to go out to California, you still got a house here, you've taken all your furniture out of it. I mean, it, 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 it's kind of a sitting duck, is it not? It's a good. It's a good idea to have someone check it. Like, what's one of the things that when they go with Team Gandy, we we I've got several houses that are you know vacant that we you know we stage sometimes and put things in it and we watch and we check them. Um, I I make trips. I go by my house. I've got listed on Alexander. I go by all the time and you know I'll take my blower and blow off the front of the yard and you know turn make up, it look lived. Yeah, make yeah. it look good. And then also we have we have a few lights on and things, but. Of course, the main thing to do is to get to know the neighbors. Like with us, when we list a new house, we flip it. We get to know the neighbors while we're flipping it. And then I'll say, hey, and here's my card. And, you know, and, and they'll call me. They've, and everywhere we've been so far, everybody's been really, really great. In fact, one of my sons went by the house. And he actually, it was Thomas, actually. And he said, um, somebody Name called. Tommy. Yeah, Tommy. <laughs> Tommy Gandy. But he um, he was checking something. And they said, hey, there's a, there's a different vehicle. It's a gray vehicle. It's not like one of the regular ones. And it was Ms. Lady Beth across the street. And I said, Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, it's my son. It's okay. But thank you for calling, you know, because I appreciate you noticing. Um, they've gotten to know all of us. It's been really nice. And that's kind of what I do. I go around and knock on the doors and introduce myself and say, call me. Here's my card. And, of course, our name's on the sign, too. So it's, yeah. people will call me and tell me things, which is good. Well, it's uh, it's just there are so many people out there looking for any advantage they can get. And, and I think you brought it up uh, during the break a lot of times. To get them out of there, go to them. So what's going to take to get you out of here? Let's negotiate this. You know, I guess I got to have you go. What's it going to take? You know, a thousand bucks do it. And he said, a lot of times I'll go, yeah, man, I'm, and we'll help you move out. How about that? They're just looking for, for the additional funds to, to go to the next victim. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I just know that uh, when I was with the sheriff's office and I had, the, you know, a number of times that people were being evicted. And it, it's a it's a bad, especially people that have lived in a house and for whatever reason they've gotten behind on stuff. It could be a rental property. Usually it was. And so the landlord goes, you got to go. And the, the sheriff's office would show up and uh, we just would stand by in case things got out of hand. We couldn't, we didn't, they didn't touch any furniture. They didn't, it's just to make sure that it stays lawful and everybody obeys the law. But it's... Um, uh, it, it, it it's a bad deal all the way around. Nobody wants to evict anybody, and nobody wants to be evicted. And, you know, uh, the saddest, too, is when you have a landlord who doesn't pay the note, and the people pay rent, and I've had a couple of those that I've met. They're trying. People call me, can you help them find something? Because they've been paying their rent, and the landlord is gone. Oh, they're the pocketing house. the money. Yeah, and they haven't paid their mortgage, and now and so the house is being repossessed. And the person's been and, paying their yeah, rent. And they show up, and these people don't even own the house. And I, I had two different stories on that one i've had to try to help find them someplace to live because uh, it's and we i've had people announce in our meetings and you know at times hey can y'all help us find some of these people they're just they're victims you know just yeah i just I keep thinking about the guy that called up uh, your husband he's crying yeah <laughs> oh he was he was and we were leaving to go to the beach or something and todd's like God, i feel so bad for this yeah. guy you know we were going on a trip or something it was just just really upsetting because he was such a nice man but he did he did it did work out in the end but it's just so people just don't realize, you know, especially young people, they're so yeah. trusting and you're like, don't be trusting. <laughs> and, and they don't want to listen to us. No, because we're, we're old. No, because yeah. we're old. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I, I tell people all the time that it's, um, it is, uh, this is not Disney World we're talking about. This is the real world. Yeah. And same thing with the sunken submarine and uh, people go to 
to Yellowstone and get attacked by a bear. The bears live there, and mm-hmm. bears eat other animals, including people that look like animals. And so you're going into the – I said the one at Destin the other day, a bear that was in the surf down in Destin. Really? You see that? Yeah. No. Cub oh. bear comes swimming out of, the, out of the surf with everybody else. Everybody <laughs> thought it was a dog at first. It was just – they said, yeah, well, you know, the, uh, was the Elgin Air Force Base is there, and they have all thousands of acres, and they got bears and and deer and everything else that's wow. living out there. And uh, You don't even think of a bear in Florida. I guess they have bears, too. You see <laughs> alligators, lots of those. And I don't want to see no alligators. <laughs> I remember we were at uh, Disney World playing the round of golf, and I hit up close to the green, which was pretty unusual, and uh, it was by this trap, and we get up and get in our golf course and come around, and there's a big alligator laying near my ball. I said, what are you going to do? Are you going to go out there and try to hit it? I said, I'm taking a drop. <laughs> and I'm not counting a stroke either. Do the alligator. It's so funny. Uh, Vicki, want to give them how to get in touch with you? Uh, GoTeamGandy.com is our website, and my phone number is 901-412-2691. And Mark, being Blossom, you want to tell them how to get in touch with you? They can call my office at 901-758-0500 or BeanBlossomLaw.com. Add the good people, I'll vouch for them. Unless they, they squat sometime in your house. Then it's not the light I can you let do. You, I can let you know what the good houses are to squat if you want to know. No comment. All right. Well, Thanks. thank you all for coming in. It's very informative. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll wrap this thing up. And welcome back on a Wednesday. da 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 Da-da. My kids used to always say, Daddy, don't sing. You got a little preview of why right there. <laughs> took, took. Ah. I do want to tell you about a couple of accidents out there. We got one that's at Kirby Parkway at Quince, uh, and that was reported at, uh, right at 4 o'clock or 3.58. Got another one that is at Forest Hill Irene Road, uh, and you've got slowdowns, all the usual places, uh, you get uh, actually Germantown Parkway is pretty good right now, uh, and they're right there. The flyover going to I forty northbound uh, that's uh, congested there. I fifty five crossing the old bridge coming into downtown is uh, is busy, uh, and uh, in fact it's uh, fifty two minutes. Uh, so don't go there. Uh, twenty four on the sixty one south. Uh, but at least uh, most of the people have electricity back in Memphis. I just talked to my good friend Bron Eaton. He lives in East Memphis. Got his on uh, about eight o'clock this morning, and uh, he was out since uh, Sunday morning. And uh, I, I highly recommend now that everybody's got their their juice back, go out and invest in a small little Honda generator, and. Uh, and have it, to, especially if you're in the East Memphis area, because I swear, Bron, every time the power goes out, his house is without power. And there's one thing I can't do. Even when we go camping, I take a fan with me, you know. <laughs> I cannot stand to be hot and try to sleep. In fact, they've got these uh, new air conditioners, 410, so you can just plug them in. So if you could go to these campgrounds that have electricity, and you uh, plug in these little air conditioners, have these little uh, tubes that come out, and you can point them right at your your part of the tent, and uh, but there's also work in a house. But you got to have something to power them. So that's why I'm saying get a um, a little Honda generator that puts out uh, you know enough to power a fan or a small portable air conditioner. Maybe 
have a TV. Uh, can you imagine what it's like being in a house with no air conditioning, no lights, no TV? Uh, you can't even charge your cell phone. you got to go out to your car. In fact, during the Hurricane Elvis, I got an inverter for my car and hooked it to my car and just had my car in the garage with the door open and ran the lead around to the back of the house. I had uh, I, my cable was still working. So I was watching television. I had plugged up to my lighting strip and had a fan blowing on me. I had cable. I had scotch. <laughs> I had a bucket with some ice in it. My feet were in there. And my wife goes, this doesn't bother you at all, does it? Life is good. <laughs> so it's all in how you take it, you know. It's, uh, I'm uh, looking at some of the other things that happened today. Oh, I'm gonna, let's see if we can find any more about, they, we got this just a minute ago. This came in. It said uh, on the search for the missing sub by the Titanic, uh, they're saying now that they may have spotted something on the service and that they're investigating it. Um, which is uh, pretty amazing because they got to come up with something. Uh, sub search, and it said they said they were hearing some hammering uh, on the uh, let's see, search for Titanic tourist sub uh, uh, banging from the area. We knew about the banging, uh, but this other thing uh, just broke just a minute ago. Said they had spotted something from the air. And uh, uh, let's see if I can find it. It's, uh, uh, but the problem with it is the, the submarine doesn't stick out of the water, even if they disable the surface. It just has the little conning tower, and then it's painted white. So if it is out protruding out of the water, it's only a couple of feet, and they're having like five, six foot uh, swells out there in that in part of the Atlantic. So it's going up and down. If you're down, you don't see it. Sonar has a real hard time catching that kind of stuff because it is so low to the surface of the water. So the only way you spot it is they'll be looking down. From, and they got three C-130s and a couple of other airplanes that are searching the area. But they were hearing some banging noise, and but they couldn't coordinate. They couldn't get a coordination on it and, and try to triangle uh, the where the location is. And sound does weird stuff in water. You ever notice how you? You put something in the water, even your hand, stick it down there. It looks like it's going straight, and as soon as it gets in the water, it looks like it takes a right turn. Even people that bow fish after fish, and, and you're able to shoot it from outside the water, uh, you got to aim where the fish ain't, but it, you know it really is just because of the reflection, or not reflection, but deflection of water, and the sound evidently does the same thing. So now that they may have spotted something, I mean, that would be an absolute miracle they just lost power, but they were able to get up to the service, but they can't get out of there. And it's and they're bolted in. So that means even if they were able to get up to the surface, once they run out of oxygen, they're going to die because they can't get out. They can't. There, there's no way to get air in there because of the pressure situation when it's all the way down 12,500 feet. They, there can't be anything that they can can move through or uh, punch a hole in their in their protection. So... Let's all say a prayer for them that that's them on top of the water and they're able to get them out of there. That's it for us today. We'll be back bright and early tomorrow. See you then.